Welcome to the Good Mother, Bad Woman podcast, where we know how to be good mothers, but we might be bad women for different reasons. I'm your host, Stacia Caprice. I'm a happy single mom of three girls. My blended family includes three daughters, three different dads, one divorce. I got nine living grandparents, girl. There's two girlfriends in the mix and a bonus mama helping me raise one of my daughters who's married to one of the dads. Uh, The Lord bless me with a part-time nanny and all 20 of us get along just fine. To those of us who are mothers, I think we love our kids just fine, but even though kids are a big part of our lives, they're still only part of it, right? And that part of us that existed before and after kids, that woman inside is demanding to be heard without being labeled depressed or postpartum or a bad woman just because she didn't disappear with her mommy job title. I'm not a doctor, coach, or psychologist. I'm just somebody navigating this life, girl, without the owner's manual, just like you. And today we want to get into our feelings and talk about why it may be easier to give love than it is to receive it. I remember one of my cousins posted this meme on Facebook and it said, I have the worst taste in men. Like if I have ever liked you, please go work on yourself. And girl, that was so funny and relatable, right? Because after you've been in this dating game for a while, have a couple divorces under your belt or more than one co-parent, you start to realize that all of these relationships have one thing in common and that's me. Well, (laughs) I or we may not say it out loud, but um, one of the reasons I don't receive love easily is because I don't always trust me as a good judge of character, especially when it comes to romantic love, right? And as far as childhood, maybe I haven't had the training or validation to learn how to trust myself in that way. Like whatever the other person is sending my way and calling it love is automatically wrong because I'm sure we shouldn't be together in the first place, right? That's how I feel. Like if I'm the only person who vetted you, honey, this ship is going down eventually. But women especially have been raised and socially conditioned to believe that practicing and producing love is a woman's responsibility alone from the toys that we play with to the fairy tales they teach us. Um, And even in religion, they teach that Eve was created to be a helpmate to Adam. So right away, we get this impression that a woman's original purpose was to be this second class uh, servant, right? According to the church anyway. Um, You know, I grew up in the church listening to the man as the head of household and Eve is just here to help him messages. But even as a kid, I remember reading that story differently. Like in the beginning, God created everything, heaven, earth, seas, trees, even made his own human, all of these beautiful things. And it was still God who decided that something was missing. And what was missing was us. It was a woman. We are the crown of creation. Adam didn't know what a woman was. And we can argue that he still doesn't, but we can talk about that later. Um, But, you know, I just couldn't imagine that God we create something as powerful as a woman simply to be a kitchen maid or baby maker to the alcoholic, porn addicted men in our lives. But I also don't think he created men for that purpose either. Um, anyway, one of the reasons I think it's harder for some women to receive love, whether it's from an external source or themselves, is because we have been conditioned to treat any source of pleasure with suspicion. So if we you know, start with romantic love. As women, we are taught that our love is either sin, fantasy, or infatuation, right? Like the love we crave is sin, so don't do it. The love we imagine is fantasy. It'll never happen. Or the love that we have is infatuation and it won't last, right? Even though our parents, you know, or church or people who love us are trying to protect us by teaching us that boys are bad and dishonest, we are learning by default that our instincts and our discernment are also untrustworthy, don't you hate when you break up with a guy and you're sad and you're crying and you're telling your people how horrible he turned out to be only for someone to say, well, did you think he was being sincere when he said those things to you initially? And you're like, 
Obviously, I did think he was being sincere partially because I wanted him to, but also because he was a new person going out of his way to convince me that he was this amazing guy. Like, why would I not believe him, right? <laughs> but that's what happens to women. Um, you know, culture tells boys to be boys, just don't cry or show any emotions outside of anger or your constant sexual urges, while women are held responsible for the emotional burden, the sexual purity of our relationships. Like, you know, it's totally up to us that we say no all the time, make him wear a condom when we say yes, prevent all of the unwanted pregnancies, even though we never have made a baby by ourselves. Not yet. <laughs> um, you know, and then we get blamed uh, when the relationship doesn't work out, right? Like, um, you know, it's our fault for not being able to override our infatuation and then predict that all of our sadness would happen. And it's like, you know, that type of like insult to injury is enough to make you build a wall around your heart and avoid taking love seriously ever again or just thinking that it's simply not for you. Um, Adrian Marie Brown is an author based out of Detroit who wrote this amazing book called Pleasure Activism. And she talks about um, how women learn to understand their own pleasure or sexuality around the concept of no. And that was a big aha moment for me because she's right. I mean, even as a mom of three daughters, the immediate message to our little girls about their bodies and how their bodies relate to other people is that these are your private parts. Don't let anybody touch you. Don't get raped. Don't get molested. Boys are bad, right? And that your own virtue is attached to your abstinence from pretty much all things fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not advocating against the don't touch my body, stranger danger messages for our daughters or our sons. But I'm saying is that there's a huge gap for most of us in our love and pleasure training that goes from don't touch my body to boom, give yourself to your husband or the man you love. You'll just figure everything else out. It's like the only acceptable time you get to enjoy your body or your sexuality is when experiencing it with your husband or using your body to give birth to children. Um so we'll do another episode that kind of deep dives into the whole concept of pleasure activism and our erotic and creativity as a system and not just moments of arousal. But I do love how uh, Adrienne Marie Brown describes and she says, uh, pleasure is not one of the spoils of capitalism, right? It's not only for porn and all of that, but it is the aliveness and awakening that our human bodies are structured for. So rather than encouraging moderation over and over and over, she calls for us to relinquish our inner longing for love so that love can respond to us. Okay, I like it. I'm with you, sis. There's uh, my favorite Christian author um, who I love. His name is C.S. Lewis. He was like the famous, he was famously known for being this big atheist turned Christian. He's like the most brilliant mind ever. You know, and even he says that Christianity is more so about temperance rather than the abstinence of everything. So anyway, make sure you grab her book, Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. Hopefully we can have her on our show. Um, a second reason that receiving love is hard is because we are taught that finding love and giving love is enough. Like teaching girls and young women that their only value is in their servitude and title as mother or wife versus just in their being. It creates this internal imbalance where adult women can be so vested in the search for love that they don't know how to receive it 
once they find it, right? Once the search part is over, it's like, now what? <laughs> it's like, well, just hurry up and have kids and survive on the joys of motherhood. Like, what? Okay, newsflash, honey. American mothers would like people to know that there's not that much joy in the constant servitude uh, to emotionally undeveloped people called children. Well, we love y'all, though. <laughs> we love you guys. I just need to come up with another word. But anyway, um, yeah, culture and family put so much pressure on women to find a man, get the ring, have the wedding, and make the baby. And somehow that combination of all of those things should not only result in our ability to give love, but receive it as well. And really the concept of, you know, good mother, bad woman came from my single woman days. And then again, from my single mama days, kind of wondering and asking God, like, how can a woman find purpose or feel love if she doesn't have a husband or doesn't have a family or has a family and still has a need for love that isn't performance-based? Like, is it okay to feel this way without being labeled unfeminine or broken because her emotional needs extend beyond the love that she gives to other people, right? Part of the reason it's hard to receive love is because we have been conditioned to think that love is an action word. So the only way we can experience love is by giving it, right? That outpouring of love does not have a boomerang effect. You can do everything for your children. Go out of your way to give them the most amazing childhood experiences on a daily basis, and they will immediately turn around and ask you for more, right? Husbands can do the same thing. And when mom is expected to give love, um, you know, then it's harder for her love recipients or her family to see a need for her to have it in return. Like mom is built for this. This is what moms do. She's a superwoman. <laughs> nah, superwoman is a cartoon, honey, okay? She's not experiencing life in the moment like you are, mama. So be careful how, you know, people label you or mislabel you. You know, when people assume you were built for a certain task, they also assume that you have everything you need to survive, right? It's like buying furniture that requires assembly, right? The furniture comes in a box and it comes with the tools to build it, but the strength to put it together is not included. You feel me? <laughs> and even when it comes to our kids, if we look for ways to enjoy our lives outside of the joy of motherhood, which is, which again, is just a nice way to describe never ending chores and life lessons on demand, we have this feeling that they taught us to call mommy guilt. Mommy guilt is something that we sometimes feel, yes, around our actual shortcomings as a mom or a mommy expert, but it's also a derogatory term used to describe the joy we feel being away from home for a fucking second. Like we have been conditioned to name our momentary joy as guilt just so that others will give us permission or validation to do it. Like, you know, <laughs> a girlfriend of mine was like, you know, I went to the spa today um, while the kids were with grandma and I had a lot of fun, but I felt really guilty spending the money and asking my mom for her time, right? Then someone like me is supposed to say, oh, honey, you're allowed to enjoy yourselves. Moms are superheroes. You deserve a break. <laughs> you know, it's like, like to use the word deserve a break makes the break sound optional. Like you don't have to do it. Like, like listen, if, if being a bad woman means you get to break away from the unrealistic pressures of modern motherhood to create boundaries and find the space, mama, that you need to have the love that you can share later to be a good mom to your kids, then good job, sis, honey. Bad woman is. You know what I'm saying? And lastly, you know, I've heard people say um, that the reason you can't receive love is because you have some levels of low self-esteem and you feel like you don't deserve love. Now, that is not something that I always identify with because I don't see myself as someone who has low self-esteem overall. I think you can have areas of your life 
where you're more confident than others. And then there's some areas of your life that you tend to negatively compare against other people's lives. But just to come out and say, you know, I hate myself and I don't feel like I deserve love is false for me. If that's something that you struggle with, mama, then it's absolutely something worth talking over with a licensed therapist, um, you know, to help you further unpack those feelings. But I did read something in Psychology Today magazine that said uh, in this quote, receiving compliments can highlight the gap between how you see yourself versus how other people see you. And that can either make you feel misunderstood and pressured to fulfill others' high expectations of you, right? And then I was like, ah, okay, that's something I can digest and think a little bit more about, right? Because all of us have this kind of like external persona that we project to blend in with our community uh, or prove to the outside world that we're good mothers, hardworking coworkers, civilized neighbors, good Christians, emotionally grounded. I mean, whatever it is, but I mean, whatever it is, but what we do when no one is looking and how we talk to ourselves when no one is listening could be an entirely different look. It could be an entirely different person. You know, it's an identity crisis that we don't always... Um, feel the urge to address because as long as no one else is getting hurt but me, uh, you know, then what's the problem? So it becomes hard for someone else to offer love to you because if it doesn't fit into one of your emotional storage containers, um, you are standing here with this gift of love. Like, I don't have anywhere to put this. What am I supposed to do with it, right? <laughs> it's kind of like going on a date at the theater and he surprises you with this huge bouquet of flowers and you're like oh my god this is beautiful but what am I supposed to do with it right now like there's no vase there's no water do I hold it in my lap do I put it on the floor do I give it back to you for now like thank you for your beautiful gift at the wrong time and in the moment we may not even realize that we are processing someone else's love attempt through our unhealthy filters we just feel like this is how I am and this is how I've always been but these filters um, are, are things that we have to recognize first so that we can develop new responses when those filters or triggers flare up. Sometimes people say we have some behaviors that we have to unlearn, but really that's an unhelpful statement because you can't unlearn something, right? You can learn something new, uh, develop new beliefs that get reinforced with new experiences, but these unhealthy triggers or filters that have raised you or you earned the hard way, they'll never leave you, but you can learn a new response despite how those triggers make you feel, right? This is the definition of self-control and emotional control, right? You can learn to talk yourself off the proverbial cliff. You can learn to push the stop button on your own emotional roller coaster. But anyway, mama, receiving love from other people is so important. Um, receiving love from people or at least listening to the compliments and how people describe, you know, what they like about you, what they notice about you could be a cool way to start to see yourself differently and maybe redefine your internal self. Books are always helpful as well. There's a cool uh, Bible verse where God describes himself as love. And then the Bible goes on to say that even though you may experience fear, God is not the one who gave us a spirit of fear, but instead he gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So love is being positioned as the opposite of fear, just as a sound mind is being positioned as the opposite of a suspicious one, right? It's not a rush to get to a better you, mama, but a better you is always possible, girl. I'll see you next week, or you can follow Good Mother Bad Woman on TikTok and Instagram in the meantime. Love you. Bye. Bye.